It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. High fly, left center field. Going back is Andujar. We are tied. Driven to center field. Ball game over. There it was. Wow. The Twins finally conquer the Yankees, boys. Finally conquer the New York Yankees. Oh, yeah. How does it feel today, waking up to know that all that has been wrong, Twins versus Yankees, for two decades is now right? Take that, Hayes. <laughs> what the That's hell? The, de- the deepest sigh I've ever heard from What God. the hell did I witness, and where has it been? Like, didn't you watch the end of that game, and you're like, hold on a second here. Wait, what? This was supposed to be the season. Like, you beat up ordinarily on the Orioles and the Royals and the bad teams, right? And then you don't beat the Yankees consistently, but you do beat them in ball games like this. And, I mean, like, that was a win that should have moved you back into first place a half a game above the White Sox. Oh, uh, well, yeah. No, but well, but I, I'm just saying, was that not the first thought that came to your mind? Like, that, the place was going crazy. It was, it was all so much fun. And then you're like, the reality is they're still 12 games below 500. I'm like, where the hell has this been? Well, that's a good segue here into uh, we debuted this last week. Declan was on vacation visiting some family, and so uh, we debuted this last week just for some fun, and it went over well. So we're going to do this every Friday, Feedback Friday on Mackie and Judd, I like where it. we take your feedback. We take your comments, your questions. Uh, you can submit them in really three different ways. You can just send us messages on social media that we may or may not see and collect for Friday. Um, You can send us a message through the brand-new Score North app. There's a feedback icon on the bottom, and you can just tap on it and send us a quick message or a video if you want that to be featured in this uh, Friday segment or a photo of some kind. Or you can comment on the Score North YouTube page on any of our videos that we put out throughout the week. So let's start with this. So last night, to Judd's point, I tweeted right after the the Donaldson two-run bomb to tie it and and then Nelson Cruz to win it. I tweeted, imagine how epic this moment would have been if the Twins hadn't buried themselves in the standings. And people lashed out a little bit. I'm going to read some of the feedback to that tweet. Depressed Timberwolves fan said, this is the most clutch thing the Twins have ever done against the Yankees. Ever. Jonathan Mangan says, Mackie, don't minimize this. Come on. (laughs) And then at vid producer says, dude, too soon. Give us a hot minute, okay? I mean... 
I wish I could sit here and fight with Judd and say, dude, you need to stop being so negative. Stop being an ER here. But it was a cool listen, it was a cool win. It was an exciting little jolt. But you wake up this morning and this team is twenty five and thirty seven. They are zero and eighteen still. Yesterday does not change this. They are zero and eighteen in the playoffs since two thousand four. Mm-hmm. And I think my biggest like it was ten seconds of oh my god this is amazing, and then immediately that feeling was replaced with this sort of like annoyed, angry like my mind started to fill with. Why couldn't you do this in 2009 or 2010 or 2017 or 2009? <laughs> like, where where has this been in October? Why can't you score a run off a Yankees pitcher in October? Why can't you win a playoff game? Why are you 12 games below 500? You're minimizing this, Twins, by being 12 games under 500. I'm not minimizing so- this, so... I went to dark places about 10 seconds after that home run. This is the biggest hit that the Twins have gotten against the Yankees since I think Kubel homered off Rivera in Yankee yeah. Stadium. And was that 2003? Something uh, like that. Was Kubel. it that long 2006. Ago? I thought L6 it was a little sounds, late. Yeah. L6 sounds more like Kubel. I thought it was like 09. Wasn't 09 the year of Kubel? Yeah. Because Kubel was in the minors that's in the early right. 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. But my point being is, it's the biggest hit against this team in a long time. I don't even care about that. What I care about is where has this been? Like Donaldson, where where's this been, Josh? Like you, that ball went into orbit. Um, Dick's call is to, I mean, he could have gone full home run. That ball was not a pop up. Like he was, there was, he was no, gun shy. Dick was nobody a gun shy. Gun-shy. Dick, don't be gun shy there. I don't yeah. think D- Dick couldn't believe what he was seeing. He's like, he thought the same thing we did. Like, okay, wait, the, what? What? What's happening right now? The Cruz one stunned me, not because it was Cruz, but because it was just bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. But the Donaldson one was a no doubter. I mean, that was <laughs> you. This is why. So, so the, I don't even care about the playoffs right now. I don't care about previous years. This is about this year to me. That Donaldson home run last night was why you signed him. Like, like I'm not saying it's going to happen once every couple of weeks, but I am saying you signed him to a four-year, $92 million contract for that payoff regularly enough that you're competitive all the time. Like, that, that's what drove me crazy about this. I mean, that was everything what we saw against, by the way, a guy who came into the game in Araldus Chapman with a 0.39 ERA and one blown save. All season long, this is this is what was supposed to sort of happen. Declan, are we are we being too curmudgeonly right now? Like, are we should we be celebrating what happened last night more than we are instead of like lashing out in anger about the last seventeen years? The, the way I felt about it, and this was after the JD home run, the tying home run, and maybe this is Minnesota Stockholm syndrome too. But I felt like, <laughs> oh my god. Josh, like about time, like this is why you signed, same with Judd's point, this is why you signed Josh Donaldson, it's been a crappy year, and that was awesome, that was absolutely awesome, JD brings a humongous home run, and I'm thinking great, but then I'm like, also like, well, the game's tied, this team sucks in extra innings, they're probably going to find a way to lose, that was, I I literally went from like a two minute euphoria high of a seltzer in or two, and then I realized, oh crap, the game's not over yet. And obviously then Williams gets the hit and Nelson Cruz walks him off. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. That is a cool win. That would be awesome. It had that same vibe of like the Tommy walk-off win in 2010 against the White Sox, which was like the dagger, right, in, in, in that race in the first year at Target Field. Same yeah. thing with Miguel Sano against the Indians in 2019 when that grand slam kind of put away Cleveland for good and the Twins ran away with the division. 
The problem is it's June 11th. You're 12 games under 500. And I mean, it was a fun little two minute high, but then you realize, oh crap, we're still 12 games under 500. So no, I, I don't think you guys are, I don't think you, I think you guys are beating. You're not being too much buttons at all. This is, this is what it is. This is exactly what it is. And a roll, to the point of the home runs off Chapman uh, from StatCast, those are the two longest home runs, Cruz's and Donaldson's home runs that Aroyas Chapman has ever allowed in the StatCast era. Wow. So 457-foot wow. bomb from Nelson Cruz, a 438 bomb for J.D. Those are the two longest home runs that Chapman has ever given up in his career in the StatCast era. And my tone about this victory is completely different if nothing was expected from this team. And it, it was like, well, you got um, you got Kirilov coming and Larnick and Royce Lewis maybe next year, and you're seeing Nick Gordon. So if this is a team where, where we don't we didn't expect much going into 2021, my tone about this win is that was awesome. That was great. Fantastic. This is all about expectations. And so I don't think we're being curmudgeons. I, I'm challenging them with a question. Where was this? Like I had great hopes. And I think a lot of fans fall in line, Phil, with what we're saying here, which is, you know, you don't go into a year basically saying a third consecutive division title opportunity, challenge the White Sox back and forth, right? And if you lost that game last night, you're 13 games under 500. And by the way, too, you did send out, you know, Jay Happ again, who in in the first gets destroyed. Giancarlo Stanton, the contact that that man made for the last two days at Target Field was ridiculous. So, so my tone about this win is totally different if this was just sort of a building platform. In fact, I'd say great win, like a lot of guys learn things. Unfortunately, that's not the case. I, I don't know how you can't be, instead of saying negative, I don't know how you can't be a realist about this. I think you're just sort of in, in what-if mode, right? Like, man, what if, even if they were around 500 and they were and there was still more of just a, a hope and a puncher's chance that they were going to make a run in the second half, that, that they were going to add pieces at the deadline. I mean, it's just right now, it's unless they rattle off like nine straight wins, even then they'd be multiple games under 500. Right. Um, it just feels like I, I replayed that scenario last night in my head if their record was flipped, right? Let's say they had the White Sox record and they were 12 games over 500. And now it's about proving that you're in that heavyweight fight against the Yankees and the Astros and the Rays among the actual contenders. And then you deliver those home runs off of Aldis Chapman. Today we'd be sitting here saying, all right, what, you know, what, what can this team do in October? What can they add at the deadline? They just sent a message to the bleeping Yankees. Can they do this in October? Right? Like, that would have been the discussion. And I'm mad that that's not the discussion. You should be. And so back to the Feedback Friday portion of this, to Jonathan's <laughs> comment. Mackie, don't minimize this. Come on. I'm not the one minimizing this. The Twins are minimizing this. The Twins have minimized this by starting so god-awfully terrible and injuries have played a fact uh, a, a role in this. I get it. Um, Byron Buckton hit two bombs for St. Paul last night, so you know I think you know, Morno was kind of saying this. I saw some other people just in, on Twins Twitter that if you can get Byron Buxton back, if he can keep playing the way that he was, maybe this win and Buxton coming back will spark you. But it, you would literally have to roll off like two or three sweeps in the next couple weeks for this to really be a spark that matters. So. Um, X Twins News on Twitter Friend did the, the math. So a hundred games left in the season, the Twins would have to go sixty-five and thirty-five to get to ninety wins, and ninety wins doesn't guarantee you no. anything. 
Not at all. You might need 95 to get into a wild card 96, game. my number. Yeah. yeah. So you'd have to go at least, at least 65 and 35 starting today against the Astros mm-hmm. going forward in the last 100 games. So, anyways. All right. More feedback Friday here. But it was it was fun. It was just, to me, an appetizer of what should have been. Sure. Uh, Otis Frank. Otis Frank chimes in, says, Mackie looks like a guy who turns off his camera for five seconds and says, Grandma, can you get me another grape soda? Uh, also soda. from... <laughs> I, and what does that even mean? Soda. I saw that. I don't understand that. I love grape that. soda. People, people, people uh, always crap on grape. Grape's delicious. Otis Frank also says, Judd has rhino pelt boxers. And uh, Garrett chimes in after that and says, Judge shoots massive predators in fenced-in areas with almost no space. <laughs> and I still didn't get – I saw those, too, and I didn't get those. Although I am very excited in the coming weeks to be talking about <clears throat> my undergarments. Just a little tease oh, for yeah. you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little, yeah. little, little, little tease for you. A new partner coming on board that's going to keep us chill below the belt. Let's just I, say that. I think you got three time. guys who are going to be talking about what they're wearing below their pants a lot. <laughs> Just beware, I guess, if you listen to this show. Or <laughs> but anyway, I didn't YouTube. get the. I did Lame. all three of all three of the tweets that you just read. I didn't understand, and I don't know if it's because I'm old or because there's a genuine reason not what, to understand. What don't you get? You shoot massive predators in fenced-in areas with almost no space. I don't know. I don't know. Didn't What's you have an issue killing that, that bunny rabbit like last summer? I don't know where you got that. Where, where you're getting the shoot the predator thing from? Well, yeah, I had to. I had a dead one in my front yeah. yard. I had to clean up. That yeah. was not. Pleasant. I, I've never shot a thing in my life. Where did you put it? Yeah, where did I've you put never that held it. Garbage. You just scooped him in the garbage. I just threw it in the garbage. I would did you wrap it in anything? Yeah, yeah. You gave it a burial? Uh, no, no, no. I got a. Um, I got like. A, did did I get a garbage bag or did I get a bo- uh, just a little uh, <laughs> shoebox? I <laughs> oh I God. took a. I took no. No, I took. I, I got a Judd, shovel. Judd's neighbors see him like as the sun's going down with a garbage bag, a shovel. Where's his I, wife? I had a shovel. <laughs> I had a shovel and I stuck it in the garbage, oh and my, my garbage man didn't say a thing. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing they didn't even see it or didn't no. even care. Yeah. But anyway, I have never, to be clear, I have never shot a thing in my life. Okay, it's good right. to know. Good. I'm, I'm glad scared. you glad you cleared that. I'm up. scared of guns. Uh, David Nelson says Scornorth does a good job. Uh, this is on the YouTube comment section here. Scornorth does a good job of not being total critics yet, loving the hometown teams. You seem pretty clear-eyed. You also avoid taking any joy in just being nasty for nasty's sake. Some markets have talking heads that seem to compete for the nasty awards. I will say that the Nasty Boys are one of my favorite 90s oh, WWE great tag, tag teams. Team. Great tag uh, team. David, we appreciate your uh, positive comment there. Uh, Too Odd says, I thought you were stats guys. This is for Judd's Hockey Show. Rask has some of the best possession metrics on the team, but you both don't like him. He is a good player on a second or third line. How many centers are out there to replace him at $4 million per season? Jacqueline, um, go ahead. Number one, I didn't know Victor Rask's family is listening to Judd's hockey show, but um, let me see here. Let me just put in possession numbers. I mean, Corsi-wise. He brought up Wowie. Is Wowie? Wowie? I don't think is I know Wowie. Wowie something? I don't think yeah. I know Wowie. I mean... Just, just looking at his positions, maybe, he barely shoots. Maybe you should. His course is under 50%. Wowie. He was placed in the offensive zone 55% of the time. Uh, no, I, I, I strongly disagree with that take. And for $4 million, I can find a center who is producing essentially 23 points. over. Yeah, I, I can find a center for $4 million who's, who's producing 40 points a season. 
that's pretty easy to find. Dude. I also don't think I, I think um, the hockey analytical community has some good stuff to share. So I am not I am in no way shooting them down. Crap no it, pun intended. Uh, no, but what I was going to say is I don't know that hockey analytics are to a place yet where you can look at them and make complete judgments. Like possession is great, but if you're slow, the key is wh- where's your possession and what can you do with it? And by that, look look at the, the most important thing to me is the ability to move the puck quickly too. So I think we get too tied up with, well, well, he's got possession of the puck. Okay, my question is where and what can he do? Because if you have possession of the puck and you're slightly slow, that means you can't make plays as quickly. And and again, this is not a this is not a critique of the statistics or the or the in depth analysis that goes with them. It's more a critique of I don't know that it gives you a as clear a view as you think it might. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Because yeah, I'm not trying to just downplay it. And and Dex brings some great stuff to the table on the show, but I just don't. I don't think there we're yet to a point where it's as reliable unless you're both assessing eye test and and analysis. I do think it's interesting that Rask continues to get as much ice time and put in key spots as he does. I mean, obviously, the Wild think more highly of him than you guys do, or I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something about his leadership or something behind the scenes. Uh, Justin W says so jealous of Mackie's beard on the YouTube comment section. Listen, I'll tell you. It's a good beard. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of beard shampoo, a little beard conditioner. Let that sit for like two minutes every time you you use it, and then uh, make sure you put a little little beard lotion in there. I'm about too, to say right? my my, it, my brother who can grow an actual beard, unlike his uh, child baby brother. Um, he he's a big fan and proponent of the beard oil that he uses. Beard, he oils beard oil is good too. I, yep. I I don't know how that works. Um, Some sort of beard moisturizer after you're done washing your beard. Don't just do what Judd does and just like use like rocks and a bar of like Irish spring. Is is dial soap is what Judd puts on there? Like guys, okay. First of all, it's my body wash that I just scrub through my beard (laughs) like that. Very comfortable. Um, Yeah, I'm not. You know what? I do. I am. I my face is a double A ballpark. It's not terrible. But I don't majorly groom my face. But you got I mean, top prospects you, in there. Like double well, A is the best spot to be in minor leagues in terms of the top prospects. Yeah, you don't right. want to. You, you don't want to have like a broken themselves. down clubhouse and you know. No, but I mean, my face is like the field, and it's a good field, but it's not a great field. But it's like bumpy spots. Okay. It's gonna yeah, be tough to field the ground ball smoothly. Yeah, well, I'm high but A. You know what? That's From that, you learn. I'm high A. Like I'm just I'm, I'm the fresh new kids on the block. I'm I'm high A. No, no, you're higher than me. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying that my face is of the three of us on this show. I easily do the least work. I think Declan might do the most. Phil oh, I do the most. might be second. So, so no, I, you you guys are above me as far as I, I'm just talking field conditions. Okay, so well, not the guys that play on the field. Why don't you hire a groundskeeper to help you with the field on your face? Have you thought about that? It's yeah, a nice facial I'm, cleanser, Judd. Like we can work I'm in the moisturizer, cheap. but at least a cleanser. It, it it's yeah. really good for your skin. Why don't you ask Paul Dawn and talk to her about it? I will. Macked Five says, "Why? Uh, why do you guys think Kevin Garnett's Timberwolves were consistently better than the Cat Timberwolves? Do you think Garnett was just a much better player, or did Garnett just have a better surrounding cast? Well, he's. I I don't know about the surrounding. I mean, there was some definitely like at the peak of KG with with Cassell and Sprewell. He had a great supporting, and then they had Trenton Hassel was a great role player and." They had Wally Zerbiak coming off the bench. So 
there was a couple of years where he for sure had a better supporting cast. But I mean, Cat has had Jimmy Butler for a year. Cat has had, <clears throat> excuse me, he's got Anthony Edwards and D'Lo. KG had better, more honed and veteran laden teams. But the real answer to this question is KG was just a better overall player per his era. Like he was, he was a better, sometimes antagonistic and abrasive leader, but he was a better leader. Yep. And he was one of the great defensive players of his era. And Cat yep. is not a good defensive player. He brought it on both ends every night for 40 minutes. That's my answer. What's the one thing that when it comes to Cat, five years in now, six years in? I think six. Yeah. I think six. We continue to talk about his demeanor. Like we don't really know and whose team it's going to be. It's going to be Ant's team now. Go back to that conversation with KG. And I think it was cleared up within like three years. And I And he came out of high school. Like KG, the moment he got here, there was never a doubt about attitude, about willingness to be a complete jerk, which, by the way, in sports can be a good thing, right? Yep. So I I think if you transplanted, uh, Phil, um, KG's demeanor and mind into Cat, you'd be looking at a player who would be damn hard to stop. Yeah, I mean, Cat is a better shooter, and Cat has probably more layers to his offensive game overall, but... He does. You know, there's, I mean, KG was just, just the on 10 all the time. Exactly. Yep. Uh, Steven McDaniel says, I'm going to strongly advocate for keeping the segment who gets it and who doesn't and random season recall. Love it. Both highly. And we had a bunch of people say they like who gets it, who doesn't on Tuesday. So maybe we'll bring that back for another week. Thank you, Steven. Uh, Tony Perkis says, why the hell are you guys talking about the bachelorette? You oh. think your audience cares? I don't tune in for stupid reality show talk. If I wanted to know about ladies TV shows, I'd watch The View. Good news, Tony. We actually have a weekly review of The View starting next yeah. Wednesday, too. We're just going to replace write that down yes. with a full 45-minute breakdown of what's happened the last week on The View. So you'll be super pumped to know about that. I, and I, with that, Phil found my burner account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my burner account, I'm, I'm Tony, what, what's last name? Uh, Perkis. I'm Tony, Tony Perkis. Perkis. Yeah. I, yes, that's me. I still haven't caught up with the latest episode, but I saw all the TikToks and people clowning Katie's walk. Did you see this, Phil? Like the way she walked. Oh, she has like, the, like the, a Vince McMahon walk. Yeah, she has like a very what? Vince McMahon strut <laughs> up up to the thing. And, and, and like, yeah, she like she really like moves her elbows like a lot, like the Vince McMahon strut, and I'm all about it. I mean, it makes me just like Katie even more. Yeah, you 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 would you would gladly date a woman who had Vince McMahon's body and strut from the neck down, but had Katie's face. I think one hundred percent that would be Declan's. Maybe dream. that's already oh. in play. Who knows? Interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. wow, I can't um, keep up with Declan anymore now. So okay, and then uh, so, many, see, so many names. What's on tap? NBA reactions uh, sends into our YouTube comment section. Anthony Edwards has a higher ceiling than Donovan Mitchell. I don't care what people say. I'll tell you what. If I think you might be right. It doesn't guarantee he's going to hit that ceiling, but Donovan Mitchell, the last two games with, I think, some sort of like an ankle injury still. He was limping around last night. He dropped 45 points in game one against the Clippers. He dropped 30-something, including 27 in the first half to take a 2-0 lead. So if Ant Edwards does pan out to be Donovan Mitchell or better, then and they can keep Cat and D'Lo, then this team will be a playoff team, mm-hmm. maybe even next year. Mm-hmm. So that would be awesome if that was the case. Uh, boys, that's the feedback on this Friday here. Feedback Friday edition of Mackie and Joe. I still want to know what those three tweets meant about you and, and then the two about me. Did I shoot things in small spaces? I, I feel like there's something. I feel yeah, it's to more that. of a metaphor, right? Like it's, it's yeah, exactly. But I and I don't. I have no clue. Hmm. 
the rhino pelt boxers thing is very interesting. I don't I mean, even that's know very specific. How that would feel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I mean, what, like, I'd like elaboration. I don't know why, but I'd like it. Maybe you should do a search on the internet, see if you can get some rhino pelt boxers and wear them for next. I wonder if it means Friday. something. You know yeah. what? Hold on a second here. I'll Google it. I'll Google it very quickly just to see if it means something. Rhino, rhino pelt boxers. Pelt, I mean, even yeah, I'm trying to do it with my urban dictionary in my head here. I, I don't even know. I can't even help boxers. you. No, no, it, it just says here. You're just getting a broad search results for I'm just, boxers with yeah, rhinos on I'm them. Just right box, now. I'm just getting boxers. Yeah, I, take it. I get it. And I don't wear rhino pelt boxers. No. All right. Okay. Uh, heck of a feedback anyway. Friday there. All right. Yeah. Thank so, you. Uh, feedback Friday presented by our friends at Federated, whether they like it or not. Federated Mutual <laughs> Insurance Company is here to help business owners in the state of Minnesota, and uh, they've been around since the early 1900s. You know, it's it's been what 90 plus degrees for seemingly forever, uh, and and summer weather leads oftentimes to unforeseen things happening with your company, like. If you've got severe weather and electrical outages uh, any time in the next few months, those can interrupt vital computer, machinery, phone, security, refrigeration systems, you name it. So Federated has great resources to help you plan for summer weather emergencies in the risk management corner of federatedinsurance.com. At Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, let's get to the main event here on this Friday. Action Movie Rewind, Dex. Get him, Rossi! Are you next? I'm going to get him! Nobody can stop me! You tell Bad Boy that! I'm coming after him! You tell him! I want a shot at the title. Bad Boy got the guts to meet me in the ring or anywhere else. My whole life been directed towards this title and nothing else. I live alone and I train alone. I win the title alone. I want him. He can't duck me forever. He can run, but he can't hide. So why are you doing this? Because you can't win, Rock! This guy will kill you to death inside of three rounds. You're crazy. What else is new? He's just another <laughs> fighter. No, he ain't just another fighter. This guy is a wrecking machine, and he's hungry. Hell, you ain't been hungry since you won that belt. Oh, what are you talking about? I've had ten title defenses. That was easy. What do you mean easy? He was handpicked. Setups? Yeah, they were setups. They was good fighters, but they wasn't killers like this guy. He'll knock you into tomorrow, Rock. Welcome to the party, pal. Action movie reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! yippee ki mother hey, I can't go out there and fight like this. I can't, I can't go out there like this. Get out of there. Get going with it. Take him. Take him good. Get it over with, why don't you? Major, what am I supposed to do? What are you doing? What are you supposed to do? After all these years together, you don't know what to do. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Now get out there and do it. Go. You're the best. Wow. Wow. I'm getting emotional already. I, we haven't I even have started too, man. yet. I'm got chills. Getting emotional. I'm doing fine here. So yeah, you don't cry. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. You're a, you are. I, a it's not true. I, I'm sorry. With no emotions. Wonderful life. All the time. I know you do. Yeah, that's right. No, I cry at like like rom coms too. No, no, I cry a lot. I don't cry at this one. Sorry. Uh, well, we'll we'll get okay. into how that's possible somehow that you don't feel emotional watching Rocky Three. Okay. Uh, yes. Action movie rewind. Rocky Three from 1982. If you want to go back ever and find old episodes of Action Movie Rewind, or sometimes we sprinkle in sports movie and rom-com rewinds, every Friday, basically going back to March of 2020, the Friday episodes of Mackie and Judd are, uh, are the archive. So here's the summary, boys, of Rocky Three, the third in a line of, I want to say, eight 
Rocky movies now? Because we had five, Rocky one through five, and then we had Rocky Balboa yeah. as Rocky six, and then two Creed movies. So we have, we have the franchise is now eight oh, yeah. Rocky movies. Having become the world heavyweight champion, Former working-class boxer Rocky Balboa, played by Sylvester Stallone, is rich and famous beyond his wildest dreams, which has made him lazy and overconfident. In a double whammy, he loses his trainer and father figure, Mickey. And then he has his title stolen by the arrogant, menacing challenger, Clubber Lang, played by Mr. T. Turning to his former adversary, Apollo Creed, for help, Rocky struggles to get his old fire back. 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus says it's noticeably subject to the law of diminishing returns, but Rocky III still has enough brawny spectacle to stand in the ring with the franchise's better entries. $270 million at the box office. This movie starred Sylvester Stallone, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith, Talia Shire, Burt Young, and even a young Hulk Hogan before yes. Hulk Hogan was really a mainstream superstar. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with Judd. What was your key takeaway from Rocky Three? Thunderlips, right? Thunderlips. 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 Crazy. In the flesh, why, baby. Are you doing why, why are you doing that to me? Um, my takeaway was this. First of all, I'd like to start with um, with with two words: cruise control, cruise control for Rocky Three. Okay, the plot. And by the way, it's an effective film. So I'd like to start off by saying I don't hate this film. In fact, I saw it at the Knollwood Theater when it came out. Before both you guys were even born, I believe. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. The plot for this film, though, in, in retrospect, starting with, with Rocky, which is a fantastic sports film. Like, it's a damn good sports film. The plot by this Dra- time. Drag a little. Drag a little. You, you just. Rocky five like, never happened. Never happened. The, That's correct. The, There's only seven Rocky movies. I <laughs> misspoke earlier. Yeah. yeah. The the plot for Rocky three is as and th- this is the best part about this. It's almost like an acknowledgement. Is as mailed in as Rocky's trading for the what? first Clubber Lang fight. It is what the predictability That's of a this terrible take. The predictability no, of this done. film was a ten, and but the amazing thing is it doesn't make it a bad film. But Rocky and the second edition were actually really good films. And then somebody, probably Stallone, who I think is, like, I can't tell what Stallone is. I mean, he's an egomaniac. He comes off as a meathead, but he's probably, I mean, you can't be a complete meathead to have all the franchises that he does. He's pretty savvy, yeah. Yeah. Pretty savvy. So somebody must have thought of, you know what? Let's do this for Rocky Three, and let's keep get, let's keep pushing things. Let's keep pushing things, but they're going to be like the same things. The formula let's keep pushing, getting ready for the fight. So yes, pushing. so exactly. So Rocky. So by the t- by the time we get to Rocky Three and Four, and I actually like Three more than Four. Oh wow! Whoa! But, whoa, whoa, whoa! So whoa, many whoa, so many takes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So many takes. But okay. the so formula. But you guys, the takeaway is this: the formula. Like this was now a a microwave pizza. I disagree with everything you're saying right wow. now. So, all right, my main takeaway, my main takeaway <laughs> take is that this is a wonderful reset. You watch Rocky two, and you're wondering, well, where do you go from here? How do you Rocky one and Rocky two are basically one long, elongated movie over the course of five hours, right? Like Rocky one was the first fight, 
and then he comes up short, spoiler alert, but he goes the distance and proves to himself and the world yes. that he belongs in that ring with the best fighters in the world. Right? Great movie. And then yeah. Rocky Two, they have the showdown for the set, the rematch. Apollo Creed feels like, man, like I beat him, but I need to really beat him. I need to prove to myself that this guy's a fake contender. And so okay. like that, that and then and then the drama of his wife going through uh she was in a coma, like all of it was great. So but how do you reset from Rocky versus Apollo, the first two movies? You you join them together for one to fight against a common opponent. How do you create more adversity? You kill off Rocky's father figure and longtime trainer in Mickey, and you introduce an amazing brooding villain. By the way, before he was famous too, Mister. This is before the A Team for Mister T, and before WrestleMania, uh, two years later for Mister T. I loved it. I love how. The first two Rocky movies, especially the first one, were sort of like they were they were written as drama, like Oscar caliber dramas, right? And Rocky three and Rocky four were written more as, and this is where you and I do agree, they were written more as like quick hour and forty minute eighties yes. action movies, They're, and yeah. Stallone's more roided out. Uh, we'll get through his training regimen in the production notes later, but I love how they just sort of pivoted the series to make more sense. During the, during the 80s action movie craze. Can I just. And it, and it, fit, it fit the era very well in my mind. Oh, absolutely it did. But can I. But before Dex goes, there are three keys to the, the microwave formula of Rockies uh, three and four that are identical, okay? Three things. One is you find a superhuman fighter. Like, yep. like you can't be. Uh, I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. I'm aspiring to be, and I'd like to take on Rocky. It is Mr. T who's going to, you know, who's going to kill you and then drago is probably worse than that yeah they want um, to do more than just beat you in a boxing yeah, they're match they're trying they want to, they want to you. end your life or something okay. similar yeah number two killing someone close to rocky to inspire him yep. which gets him down at first but then brings him back okay yep. that's the second thing Love and it. and then finally number three the training montages and scenes which which which, which are identical because he has to go to this this world, you know, he goes to what South Central Los Angeles or something like that with Apollo, and then in yeah. Rocky Four he goes to Russia to train. Amazing. So I'm not blaming them. It made a ton of uh, made a ton of cash. What I'm saying is they basically just decided, you know what, we can run all this back really well and make a ton, and they did. But you, but you, you frame it up as like they mailed it. In. I, I, I don't think they mailed in the script. I think. They recreated an 80s version of the franchise to fit the current times. And it was all about big hulking villains in the 80s, right? That some sort of, it's like a David versus Goliath type of a, you need a superhero to take on a villain. And so anyways, Dex, what was your, you could probably break the tie here. What was your main takeaway? Uh, number one, how, how do you not get absolutely juiced in the opening montage? Like I, I, I am, I am pumped. Like I'm ready to run through a wall, PJ Flex style. Like I, I am absolutely ready to go. And he's just like punching fighters yeah. out of the ring. And is in. I, I wish, and I don't know if you had this production notes, Phil, but I, I wish. I don't know if we have it tally, but every single magazine that he is mentioned in or like featured in, because he's obviously becoming a big wig now, right? So he's, he's getting yeah. all, all like People magazine, Time magazine. He's like GQ magazine, Rolling Stone, Rolling I think Stone. Was in there. Like I, I bet there is somewhere a t- running tally of every magazine and like product endorsement he is doing in that opening montage, and I bet it's in the dozens. Like it, it's hilarious how many things. There's an American Express yeah. one. 
Um, there's a car one. It's absolutely hilarious. But yeah, the, I think I, there's two watch ads. There's a Rolex, there's a Rolex in there ad. somewhere. Oh, he uh, there was Maserati yes. and DeLorean. Yes, there was a, he was in a DeLorean. A DeLorean car. Yeah. <laughs> American Express, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you're not juiced for the opening Eye of the Tiger montage and then the other ones, too, on the beach with him and Carl Weathers. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do agree with Judd. This is one of the most predictable films ever. Like, it, 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 it fits the mold. It really fits the mold of Rocky. Like, there's a death. He loses the title early. He gets back on his feet. He kicks the guy's ass. Like, I know in Rocky 1, he loses. But, like, but this is very, very predictable film. So I more stand with Judd. I think you could probably say that most of the action movies we have reviewed for 15 months are predictable. Oh, that's right? true, though. Like, how, yeah, how many yeah. of them do you feel like, oh, I don't know, is Arnold going to be alive <laughs> at the end of this movie? Yeah. I don't know, but, is Steven Seagal going to have some sort of dramatic turn where he dies? No. But the it, it, intriguing thing about this franchise, Phil, to what you're saying, is the first one was a, you know, a serious drama. It won and the Oscar. It, yeah, yeah. But, but it deserved it. it. It was that good. So I think the pivot to where... Declan and I are is most Seagal or Arnold films didn't start with one where you're like, uh, yeah, that that was unpredictable and now it's predictable. So that's where it pivoted. But Phil, I mean, you are right. It's the 80s. Um, like just just look at how the films are shot. Like these are all like very colorful films, right? Like muscles, cartoon yeah, characters, cartoon characters. But but I mean, they're sh- I I think they're shot with different film too. Because as I recall, the first one was sort of way more dark and grainy, yeah, and fit the scene of you know Philadelphia and this. This is hey, we're going to Los Angeles and we're trading at this really you know this, in this really rough part of town, but we're gonna show you LA. So yeah, yeah. all right, Joe. What was your favorite part about Rocky Three? Um. My favorite part about Rocky Three is that my favorite part about a lot of Stallone films, and it's very simple, brooding Stallone. The brooding Stallone after Mick dies, where and, – and this is why I give him and the writers credit. You know, in Stallone's best films, brooding Stallone doesn't talk. So, like, he, he never – sets himself up for dialogue where you sort of start to chuckle and laugh. But like when he's driving around on his cycle and he goes to a statue and what he throws his motorcycle helmet at the statue and <laughs> which, he, goes to he never him. went, he never went to pick it up. It gives me some anxiety that he, 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 he drove like home without hel- it. He didn't care. That helmet's just sort of laying there somewhere. And then I if guess. I, and then if I'm not mistaken in Rocky four, he did the same thing, but he was driving in his car instead of his motorcycle, but brooding Stallone. I, I, I just always enjoy him finding ways to feature himself in the best light possible. Have you guys ever had in your lives when, you know, something goes wrong, have you ever driven around town with a music montage and flashes of your life just just flashing for ten or fifteen minutes? I wish I could. I wish I could. Down, I would if I down, could. Downshifting in your Maserati sixteen I, times. I can't drive like a stick. So I mean, the, the only even like, but to your point of like long drives, like you're in your head or you're in your moment. I think more of my times in that situation, like I'm in silence. Like I don't even have the radio on. Like oh, I, really? I, I I turn I turn the music off and it's just my head, just me in my head. You're just oh, driving around just silence, silence, man. Just silence. So if, if you break creepy, up, actually. if you break up with a girl that you liked a lot, you don't drive around with like music on. No, no. If I if I if I had a bad night, I, I probably I did would, when I was younger. I, I would literally sit there in silence and then also probably talk to myself because that is a that's a very normal Declan thing to do. So yes, see, I, I would always if if I'm going through adversity, I always just play the same song from Rocky Four, Robert Tepper's No Easy Way Out. Right. By the way, of course, I tweeted that one time like five years ago. 
none other than Robert Tepper himself responded and started following. We follow each other now of on course, Twitter. The guy who course. wrote the main montage. Why is Tepper song. not on with us right now? I'm sorry, I totally forgot until got right Tepp's now. On. I know, I know. If we review another Rocky movie, we'll get Robert Tepper on to to talk about it. I'd love to know um, about the process. Dex, what was your favorite part about this movie? Uh, two things. Number one, I love Mick, man. Mick is the absolute He's best. Great. And it, it, I'll I, knock you into tomorrow. Th- those, those two clips I played are just Burgess, awesome. Man. And I didn't cry, but I wilt up. I wilt up when he, when he dies. I wilt up. I totally sad. wilt up. It's I sad. Got, I got that in my notes. We'll and, get to that and, one. And, and you know what? <laughs> Stallone is a ridiculous actor, but he played it off really well. Like You, you could tell how much he, he was actually hurt by that. Um, I love the mix scenes. And then also, this is like just kind of random. But this is to the opposite point I just made about Stallone. How like when he's trying to be just hilarious and be like a father figure, this this scene where he's at like lunch with his son or breakfast with his son, they're right around the go-kart, and then he's talking about the three bears, like I was dying of laughter and I had to point it out. And the father bear, he said somebody's been sleeping in my bed. And the little kid bear said somebody's been sleeping in my bed. And there she is. Thereby, he pulls back the covers and thereby exposing her to the, you know, public. See? Come on, eat your cereal. Come on, eat your cereal. Come on, eat your cereal. That is so Stallone. Peak Stallone, dude. Like, trying to show off. Oh, God, yeah. Trying to show off his acting ability there. I loved it. I thought I was was almost rolling in tears in the floor of laughter watching Was that that toward the beginning? Yeah, that was, like, in the first 25 minutes. That's, right. I think, right before... Uh, he leaves to go fight um, Mr. Okay. T for the first time. Okay. What's the, because there was another scene, might have been earlier, where they're lay, him and his wife, Adrian, are laying in bed and they're rich and he's got oh, the title. Oh, singing one. Where they're like, it's Ugh. so uncomfortable oh, where he's, he's like singing one of the theme songs of his. <laughs> Do, 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 do. And no, she's, no, she's like, do, 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 do. No, no, yeah, and she's do, trying do, to act do. like she can't sing, but she probably can and he can't yeah. in real life. So do, it's do, fantastic. Do, do, do. Was it? I'm trying to think. Was it Rocky three or four where he gave her a present that he called a prize, and it was like a snake that wrapped around her? I think that was Rocky four. I think it was four. Yeah. Open your prize. Open your prize. He's singing to her present. He's singing to her in the bed in Rocky three. They're in Los Angeles, right? I I think. Um, No, I think they were still in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they yeah they lived in Philadelphia still in Rocky three, but then they lived in didn't they live in Los Angeles in Rocky four? I'm pretty sure. Wasn't ever made 100% clear. No, he was still walking around Philadelphia. Still in Philadelphia, yeah. No, because he yeah. drives around Philadelphia. But Rocky IV, I think Rocky Four didn't they? He's down no, Rocky he Four. Are they in Philadelphia in Rocky IV? I think IV? they are, yeah, because I think when he goes out for a drive, I thought he was in Philadelphia. I no, I think it's L.A. I think okay. it's L.A. Cause I'll defer to you mansion. guys. You're I, way I more the Rocky I think story. it's L.A. I, I don't think there's mansions like that in in Philadelphia. No. There is if I build one. I could build a mansion. My favorite thing about this movie uh, aside from just Eye of the Tiger being the, <laughs> the greatest pump-up movie montage song ever, was how great of a villain Clubber Lang was. And I don't know, if Dex, if you have any additional clips to supplement this take, but <laughs> hitting on Rocky's wife in front oh. of him at the statue unveiling, I show you what down. it's like to be with a real man. Why don't you come over to my apartment tonight? I'll show you a real man. Like, oh, one, my yeah. God. Um, don't give this man a statue, give him some guts. And then when he's asked by the TV reporter before the second fight, what's your prediction for the fight? Prediction? Pain. Pain. Just everything about he was his great. trash talk, his yes. look. And this movie just vaulted him into superstardom for like five years. He main evented WrestleMania with Hulk Hogan. Um, the A-Team, I think, was one of the most watched shows of the mid-'80s. 
But then I looked up Mr. T's net worth because he hasn't done like he's been in some random commercials and stuff. But he's he was he's sick, right? Yeah, he, he had, had some sort of condition ba- battle or something. His reported net worth is, I say, only is only like two million dollars. So I don't know if he just he must have made a lot of money doing all that stuff in the eighties. But I don't know. Did he not, did he not I, save up or? And did, did did this launch him to the A team? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he was uh, relatively unknown. Going into this All movie, right. I think he'd done a couple things. All right, Judd, your least favorite part about Rocky Three? Oh, let's see here. Um, the actually the boxing scenes because by this we, time, yeah, let's talk about this. Okay. By by this time, they had decided the public's going to buy it no matter what, and the amount by which both of these guys miss by and the sound effect for every punch which sounds like basically a car running into a wall like every punch like boom bang boom bang 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 um it's like really like you're they did as little work i think to try and sell the boxing scenes as far as the punches landing as you could possibly do i mean clubber and rocky it's incredible. Like they are missing by enough that that if you slow it down, you can basically see it. Yeah, there's so there's sort of two talkers here. There's just how much they were clearly missing each other by, which is one talker. But then there's just because I got this dog. Just big dogs got to eat, man. I got a, do- at my I got a dog right in the now. next room. She's be she's well behaved. <laughs> your, your neighbor dog you can't control. It's ridiculous. Um, but the other talker is just like the believability or lack thereof of the choreographed boxing, like the way that they thought a fight should look like to the public. You know, you watch boxing matches and it's a lot of grabbing and hugging and it's a lot of feeling each other out. Right. But Rocky three and Rocky one and two had a touch of this too, more than a touch of it, but Rocky three and Rocky four to judge point, they just went completely away from what a realistic boxing match would look like. And let's just have, 15 rounds, or in this case, like three rounds of haymakers. Mm-hmm. Guys, like every punch, instead of like jab, jab, stick, move, right? Every punch is like wind up. Everyone who gets hit is unprotected. You know, their their arms are down at their sides while they're just getting blasted. There was one scene in one, in one of the Clubber Lang montages, I think it was, where they're trying to show how powerful Clubber Lang is before the Rocky fights. And they're showing a montage of him knocking out opponents and rising up the ranks, right? And one of the scenes was like some gangly white guy just staring at the camera without his arms protecting his face at all. And Clubber's fist just comes across the screen and punches this guy's head off. And I'm trying to think, how many times in a real boxing match have you seen a guy wind up with a full, like, brings his arm behind his head and gets full power, unprotected shot to someone else's head? And they don't die. Like you, first of all, you never see it, and then second yeah. of all, you would just be out cold. <laughs> well, th- three and four, three and four are filled boxing wise with kill shots. Yes, like they're yes. kill shots, and and, and they don't, and they, and they don't go the down other, half the time. The other problem too is in in the final fight where Balboa's strategy is to basically uh, let Clubber punch himself tired. Love it. He takes. Yeah. He's, you ain't so he's bad. The, Come on, you ain't so bad. Yeah. You ain't so bad. But he's allowing him to punch him constantly, and like the amount of damage done per the punches is not doesn't really it, jive. It, it doesn't, it doesn't make, make any sense. sense. It doesn't make any like, sense. You'd be, be dead, old, and your face would be a mess. Yes. And like there's punches he takes, and no, they don't do guys, any blood. You guys don't get it. Rocky. Most fighters would have been knocked out or have died. 
not <laughs> the concrete head of Rocky Balboa. Come on. That's his biggest selling point as a fighter. Come it's on. not overwhelming power. It's not overwhelming size. Adrian. It's the it's the Ugh. ability to take a punch and the steel jaw that he has. That's he gets, Rocky's main strength. His his title fight that he wins at the end against Clubber Lang, he gets beat up worse than Apollo does when Apollo dies. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess okay. Okay. But yeah. I'm trying to compare this fight too to like like we watched that Floyd Mayweather versus was it Logan Paul last weekend that exhibition yeah, and it's just like they're hugging for half the time Mayweather is just always on the defense he's very rarely charging forward like that's what a boxing match in 2021 well, looks like I want to see boxing I want to see guys just throwing unprotected haymakers at each other like this that's what's going to get me back watching boxing and back then boxing was was more violent consistently i mean through tyson he would he would decimate guys but not like that and and again if you're gonna do it and sell it you've got to at least get me to go down the path of oh those punches they're they're making it look realistic they didn't care and that what is that sound effect though that they have for every punch it's like like they just punch a button of boom boom it it sounds like a like some type of uh of game it's like someone slamming a typewriter down on a wooden desk or something no it's just it is weird (laughs) Does not sound like a punch. All right, anyway. Declan, what was your least favorite part of Rocky? Oh, uh, it's it's a very common thing of Rocky thing. I can't stand Adrian. Adrian is the bleeping worst, dude. I don't know. I I wow. I, I really can't stand her. She's whiny the entire movie. Uh, I understand she motivates him on the beach at the end, and all of a sudden, that's what gets Rocky going. That's that. That's what's going to make him start taking this training seriously. I I can't stand her, dude. I really can't stand Adrian to save my life. She like and and I know we just went over the. And I agree that the boxing. Of these movies are are, are kind of hilariously bad, but Adrian, I can't stand, dude. I just can't stand. See, it. I, uh, I I hear you. I think Adrian bothers me the least in this movie because she is like she's more of a yeah. The whole movie, she's I believe in you. Sure. Um, you know, she was very Rocky Four. She flat out was like, you can't win, and I'm I'm out on this. So you're you can go to Russia if you want, but you know, <laughs> the most important person in your life doesn't believe in you and. That's when I started to lose it on. And then, of course, Rocky Five. we find out that they've somehow squandered their finances. Like, <laughs> Can I ask a like question? Just... Can I ask a question about consistency? So in Rocky Three, Adrian follows him around constantly, which is fine. Yeah, they left their they left the kid at home but for they like leave a the month home. while they train in Los Angeles. But Happy they leave the like... kid at home. But here, but here's what I don't get in Rocky Three. She is in the gym, like continually watching him train. Okay, yeah. So then you're telling me, and and I mean that's to train for Clubber Lang, who who they've basically established could kill him. So then yeah. we get to another guy in Rocky Four who could k- kill him, and she's entirely out. Well, I think the difference there is that they saw Ivan Drago actually kill somebody, and so the threat of death was more real. And Rocky was had been retired for a number of years at that point, like he. He wasn't retired. I mean, he he retired in Rocky Three, but very quickly. It was like thirty seconds. He was retired. And then Clubber Lang like elbows his way up to the front. <laughs> hey, hey, you punk! Was that what? By the way, was that the least assured retirement speech ever? Or he was just like, I wasn't uh, going to bring this up today, but uh, uh, I was think, thinking also, maybe yeah, uh, maybe I should probably uh, talk with my kind wife. Of, kind of kind of think about retiring, maybe. <laughs> When's the last? When's the last time too that you guys saw like a huge announcement like that? And some guy just sort of elbows his way to the front it's, it's and genius. is like, "Hey, you! I want you!" 
it's actually a genius promotional tactic. If that, if Don King was the one pulling the puppet strings, Uh-oh. you would have set it up this way, right? All right, Rocky, we're going to unveil a statue. You're going to sort of fake retire, and then Clubber's going to elbow his way to the front. He's going to insult your wife and hit on her, and and he's going to call you out, and then you're going to sort of pretend brawl. Like it would be a great way to drum up a ton of interest for a fight. The other thing too, and I'll get to my least favorite part here in a second. It's kind of similar to Declan's, but it's a different family member. Shouldn't there have been a trilogy here? Like, wouldn't most, in terms of just like maximizing potential revenue and pay per view oh, buys yeah. or sponsorships, like you've got these two, oh. hu- these are the two biggest names in boxing right now. I would assume Rocky Balboa and right. Clubber Lang, and they've both beat each other in the first two fights. Like, wouldn't there have been a? There had to have been a trilogy fight here between the two. I wonder. If they attempted that and couldn't afford Mr. T by the time it would have come back. Or they were just bored with the story. But you could be right, because the A-team started in, like, Well, and he took off then. Like, he would have have commanded a huge payday for a second film. Yeah, I don't know what the storyline would have been other than just, like, oh, you know, who wins the third fight? So I'm glad that they they didn't, but... They they they... basically, I think, said, let's go down the path of... of having opponents that could kill him and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, my least favorite part was Paulie. Yeah, dude. And he yeah. is my least favorite part of the entire series. Yeah, this I, is a good one for this. I just don't Paulie get it. is a he's, he's a drag on the family at every corner. I just started making notes throughout the movie, like right from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. He just brings a bad energy everywhere he goes. So he's an alcoholic. He's racist. Yes. Like the yeah. things he was saying about <laughs> yes. being in Los Angeles. Yes. I don't like these people. These people don't like me or I don't like these people. Like what do you mean, these people, black people. Is that what yes. you Polly? Um, he's jealous. He's toxic. He had zero value to any room that he's in. He's also verbally and in, in the original Rocky uh, physically abusive to Adrian. He beats Adrian in the first Rocky movie. So what's Burt Young's point? Like what, why is he in these films? I agree. What? Yeah. He makes sense in the first couple movies to set the scene of like, this is rough and tumble Philadelphia. These are sort of down and out blue collar people. And they're really, they're using Pauly to set the mood of like, this is, this is how, this is what it looks like in blue collar Philadelphia. But once they've become heavyweight champion of the world, right? They live in a mansion. They're filthy rich. Wouldn't you have weeded people like Pauly out of your life? Like, why is Rocky showing up to some dive bar area of Philadelphia to pick up his drunk, just belligerent brother-in-law? Just like you would have cut this guy out of your life by this point. And I don't really. Understand. And then, of course, by keeping him in their life and also putting him in charge of the family finances, yes. they put him in charge of like their investments. And he somehow got like duped into going into Rocky five. They had to explain, well, how do they go from being this? loaded rich family that lives in California to being back in this like blue collar part of town in Philadelphia. Apparently Paulie was the one in charge of their finances. Well, so I thought the whole thing, weird, dude. like that's a stupid twist, dude. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. You would have cut this dude out of your life by this point. It makes no sense. The Meadows at Mystic Lake invites you to play their award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic experience that both beginner and expert golfers will enjoy. The Meadows at Mystic Lake features over 7,000 yards of pristine bent grass fairways, trees and greens surrounded by acres of wildflowers and prairie plants. This oasis, just minutes away from downtown Minneapolis, provides a magical escape to nature. It's never too early to book a tea time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by the Shakopee Mdwakotensu community. I think when, when we go back 
and review films uh, from this time period. I honestly think the most, the only thing that I'm, that makes me uncomfortable now is the racist tones. Like it's like, what was that? 48 hours the first one that we yeah. reviewed where they the N-word where they used the no but i mean and like paulie and like what he said I, those are it's uncomfortable to watch happy birthday paulie it's yeah, like absolutely. really uncomfortable i mean there, there's there's certain things that are just dated and but they're not uncomfortable i think the racist tones in films like that are actually uncomfortable now it is weird yeah let's go to least believable thing here judd what was the least okay. believable thing for you bear with me because i know that you guys probably liked this scene because oh. it gives Stallone a chance to work on the acting chaps. But I would like to review the death of Mick. Oh. Okay. Oh the death of Mick. Okay. <clears throat> I got my notes right here, Declan. Okay. Hard copy. All right. I've got takes on this too. This is great. I'm glad you Okay. Guys. Rocky. So we, we have the clubber laying Rocky dust up in, in the hallway of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And Mick, who they've established has heart, problems and needs his meds or something uh for like the second time i think in the film he gets pushed by clubber and he's like my all oh, my heart and then you know and mick are you okay and and so but just to be clear here so then mick says go fight beat him go fight him and so rocky does rocky then comes back in his dressing room after being knocked out by clubber lang now in the course of the fight they took you back into the dressing room where they are basically trying to keep Mick alive. Like, I think there's a, there's a scene where they, they like just briefly go back there. Right. And they say he's flatlined or, or blah, blah, blah. All I have right. Questions about how long it took to get him medical attention. That's what, yes. but that's my point. What's not believable is then. So halfway through the fight, he's damn near death. Like, like he should be in an ambulance he, <laughs> instead of laying on Rocky's training table. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mick is dying. And Rocky comes back in, and he's just near death, and no one's really doing a thing about There's it. No one's in there. Right, but the doctors right. who were in there, during so, the they've, play, so they've determined like, that he's a lost cause. Like, why would he not be in the hospital? And then he gets, and then Rocky gets back in. He's lost, and somebody finally says, or Rocky says, or is told, "We have to get him to a hospital now. Like it's too late." It's, it's, oh. it's, it's at least an hour later. I would and think during at this the point. fight, I've got this. During the fight, they are they show them doing CPR on Mick. Like, but it's not, it's not at the hospital. It's not in an ambulance. It's on Rocky's training table. So how is it believable? And I know that they wanted to set this up. So he dies in front of rock. Okay. Like, you know, did did we win? Oh yeah, we won. Okay. I get all of that, but nonetheless, it's not plausible. Couldn't, couldn't. Okay. I have so many questions about this too. So I'm trying to piece together the timeline. So they're, they're making their way toward the entrance area. They've, they've emerged from their locker rooms and they're, and they've, They've sort of converged in the same, you know, common space here before they go out to the out through the curtain and to the to the ring. So from that point forward, and there was a little bit of a delay because Rocky had to go back and check on his trainer and stuff, but probably a five to ten minute period to when the fight actually starts to get out there, to do the ring introductions, introduce the judges, everything, right? And then it was a two round fight. So the so and the rounds were like three minutes. So in a minute between the rounds. So you know, let's call that seven. So really, it was probably only twenty minutes from when Mick got pushed down to when Rock came back into the locker room after the fact. So I had thought oh, it was probably more like an hour, but it was only a two round fight. So twenty minutes. But 
in those 20 minutes. They were giving him some – it took him a while to get yeah. medical attention. Then they gave him some medical attention, and then he was just laying there. So couldn't they have just brought him to a hospital? Yes, right. And Rocky shows up to the hospital or something? But there's yes. really no there's really no scenario in which a man suffering a heart related <laughs> medical emergency would just be like laying there ready to die peacefully in front of Rocky. Like he would have died on a table with paddles, right? That's yes. how they would have tried to save him. And the heavyweight champion of the world's trainer especially wouldn't just be left on the guy's training table for yeah. like I I hope we could it I understand the drama that, that they were trying to create, but by but by flashing into the dressing room during the course of the fight and and having the doctor because there is a doctor say yeah. begin CPR, it's that not believable that that they're like well that didn't work so well let's just walk out oh but he's still alive. How did you guys feel about Rocky lying to Mickey? The, basically, the last words that Rocky said to Mickey uh, yeah. were lying about the result of the fight. I didn't like that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, it didn't strike me as a Rocky thing. Like, I think Rocky would have told him the truth. And then Mick dies. We lost. <laughs> you were right. Got my ass kicked. Mick! Man. I thought Rocky's acting there, Sylvester's acting was pretty solid, though. Starts crying. The, be- the best actor in that whole scene, though, was Burgess Meredith, because he had to pretend like he was dead for, like, 30 seconds on camera. Burgess close Meredith, up. man, is the great. Yeah. He's, he's a great actor. He also played the penguin in yes. the uh, original Batman he's, with Burt Ward and Adam West. He's also in one of the most memorable, if not best, Twilight Zone episodes of all time. Yes. Mm-hmm. As the man whose glasses are smashed when the rest of the world is gone because of a nuclear holocaust. That's yep. Right. That's a great Burgess I Meredith. That one. Yeah, that is good. Okay, what are we on here? We're on we're on least believable. believable. Over to over to Declan. Uh, I thought I would like this scene, and I hated it because it doesn't make any sense. The the wrestling match, the unsanctioned whatever <laughs> charity event match with Thunder Lips and Hulk Hogan. Yes, I Let's I do don't. This. Let's do this. Yes, I don't yes. get it. So it's a ch- it's a charity event. So it's for charity, but it's yeah. really not a boxing match at all. It, it's basically right. a, a WWF wrestling match, and yeah. and Rocky is like obviously what like a foot a foot smaller than Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Like he's super. Like the reach on Hulk Hogan is insane. He basically just throws him out of the ring and creates it like a Royal Rumble match. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't understand it. My favorite part of that whole thing is when Mick goes, run for your life, Rock. Like, because yeah. he knows, like, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't, I did not get it at all. And like, so it shows, some, and it also, like, I guess it shows some vulnerability for Rocky because it's like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? This guy's a, a boxer. He's, he's, he's a wrestler. Like, I, I don't, I didn't understand that part in the movie at all. Did, I love I, when it, Rocky, when, when, when the match oh God, starts bro. and they're sort of circling around the ring and Rocky's like, well, why don't, uh, well, we start off, uh, I'll chase you a little bit, you chase me. And then he's like giving him these light little jabs to the abs. How's that? Is that good? Is that good? And then Hogan just destroys him. So there are some great production notes here. Actually, uh, Stallone had an Instagram post from like four or five years ago. And, uh, and he talked about that exact scene. I'm just going to read this from Stallone's Instagram account. Another flashback and another reason why it's not such a great idea to always do your own stunts. I met Terry Bollea, a.k.a. Thunderlips, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan, in the very early 80s when I was directing Rocky III. At six foot seven, 295 pounds. By the way, he was billed in the movie as being 390 pounds, which was... I know they exaggerate wrestlers' weights, but when they announced Hogan at 390 for yeah, that that's... match... 
versus versus Rocky, who was announced at 202 pounds, which is amazing. Um, 24-inch biceps. He was an amazing athlete, incredibly powerful. I remember a violent move where he threw me into a corner, charged across the ring like an enraged bull, and leaped so amazingly high above me that his shin bone actually came down like a giant tree on my collarbone. I tumbled to the floor. I was afraid to look at my shoulder for about 10 minutes. I said, don't roll me over. Don't move me. Because I was sure there was a bone protruding through my upper chest. Oh. Of course of course, there wasn't, but I've never felt such mind-numbing pain from a massive hit before or since Damn. that day. Hulk just didn't know his own strength. Believe it or not, <laughs> when he jumped into the audience to fight with the stuntmen, three of the stuntmen had to be treated at the hospital. Great guy, great friend. His presence made the film very, very special. Hulk, if you're reading this, it was a privilege to be mangled by such a gentleman. Holy crap. <laughs> so he put three stuntmen in the hospital. Oh, my God. Him. That's awesome. Because there's that scene <laughs> where he cool. jumps down. He's just, like, throwing people into the crowd yep. and security guards and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, my biggest question off that match is why did they end it? Why was it a draw? Yeah. It was just getting good. A chair was smashed over Hulk's back. He's punching him out. Like, I want to know who wins that match. So if you really d- did that match, too. If you put a boxer and a wrestler, which which was talked about, and for all I, I know, might have been done, but if you really did that match, mm-hmm. think about this one. They did the boxer Floyd Mayweather versus the Big Show WrestleMania two thousand. There you go. Yep. But Floyd was probably prepared for the moves and stuff. That's my point. Is like like this was all supposed to be a surprise to Balboa, right? Oh my God! I mean, there's like three moves that would have killed him. Like if it was a boxer. Who, who was not that big. When your back goes over a man's knee, basically, you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, I think what we couldn't tell, like we're sort of now we're like into like a third level movie script inception here where all of it is clearly scripted, but then there's supposed to be a scripted wrestling match within a scripted movie. And they're blurring the lines of was Hogan, was Hogan just being a wrestler who's like, Yes, that's what so I took. Or was Hogan in the movie trying to kick Rocky's ass? I don't know. But on the on your question, so I, I think it was it was WrestleMania twenty uh, four six yeah something, something like that. So the yeah. the Big Show who Big Show Paul White who's like six foot eleven, four hundred pound just he's he's the the second coming of the giant right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Floyd Mayweather who's what, like a middleweight, right? He's yeah. 150 pounds or something. And so these two dudes were put together in a match at WrestleMania, and it was legitimately one of the most entertaining matches on the card that night. Yep. Really? But, but, the, but here was the setup. I'll give you the setup, and then I'll give you the how, the, how they played the match off at WrestleMania. Uh-huh. So Big Show has done a bunch of podcasts on this. They were, they were setting up, like Floyd was going to come in with his entourage on Monday Night Raw, and there was going to be, like, he was just going to be, like, a guest on Monday Night Raw. And then Big Show was going to come down and basically just, like, crap on him and just, you know, hey, get out of my ring. Like, you're not a wrestler, et cetera. And so Big Show told Floyd, I'm going to come down. I'm going to taunt you. I'm going to get on my knees to, like, show, hey, if I'm on my knees, I'm the same height as you. I want you to punch me legitimately in the face. And when you do... Run as fast as you can because I'm going to be pissed. I, he said, I want you to break my nose legitimately. So when you go watch this clip back, Big Show gets down on his knees, starts taunting Floyd Mayweather, 
and Floyd g- delivers like a boom, boom, like one-two combo right to the nose of Big Show, and immediately blood flies everywhere. So it wasn't like fake wrestling, you know, you cut yourself open. He legitimately broke Big Show's nose live on Monday Night Raw to start this feud. And he, and then, sure enough, Big Show gets pissed, like legitimately pissed, like <laughs> my nose is broken. Um, so or it was a, re- a real punch that led to that feud. And then in WrestleMania, they gave Floyd the brass knuckles so he could punch Big Show out with brass knuckles. And that's how I went. It was a good time. Though. Right, but that makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. Yes. Because if, Rocky should have used some brass knuckles. Well, and if big and if Big Show took Floyd though and started to do wrestling moves that Floyd was not prepared for, he'd break him in two. Yeah. Uh, my least believable thing here: How long do you think Rocky was training in Los Angeles? Like a month? I couldn't. Yeah, probably. I probably could. Like a month? It didn't give a good time context. At I, all. I really don't have a guess. They were away from the kid. Like who knows? Kid it got seemed to me alone. like it was probably a month. Kid always got left alone. So you're telling me, at the beginning of this training, when they do the first run on the beach, and Apollo just smokes Rocky in this sprint, however far they're sprinting. I don't know if it's 100 yards or whatever it is. And Apollo is, he's more athletic. He's more rhythmic, right? Like that's the whole thing. He's trying to get Rocky to be more nimble and rhythmic. You're telling me after like three or four weeks of training, that Rocky goes from getting smoked in a foot race by Apollo Creed to beating him in that same foot race. There's a lot of things in this movie that you have to suspend <laughs> your yes. disbelief. Yes. That was the one that like jumped the shark for me. It's like, guys, come on. Now. Rocky's not faster than Apollo Creed after three weeks of training. Um, and then the awkward sort of iconic Hugging it out in slow motion on the That's beach so in uncomfortable. super short shorts. Super that is so <laughs> uncomfortable. How many it, takes do you think they have? Did they do that thing like 10 times? Oh All right, guys, God. put another pair of shoes. Oh, my God. Get oh my back God. out there. It was so. <laughs> Splash around. But, I mean, like like that's where if, if there's a defining thing where I can say that the 80s sucked. That was something like because that was an 80s thing, and it's so uncomfortable. Like the slow mo, you don't need the slow mo. But there's also all these slow mo scenes where they're wearing super short shorts, and mm-hmm. the camera is just zoomed on. Like, <laughs> you know, I, th- I would think when, when people are thinking of their most memorable flashes of memories from Rocky Three, the beach celebration scene is probably number one because it's just like. The iconic scene. From that but what movie. was the need in that era to do slow mo? Uh, maybe it was just a new tool that directors had. I don't know. I mean, it's you go back and watch that now, and you tell me. Go find a scene in any film where that type of in TV or movie where the slow motion helps. Yeah, it always looks so over the top and stupid. Also, Carl Withers is like extremely jacked compared. I mean, Rocky's like obviously fit. I'm not disputing that, but like Carl Withers is an insane specimen running next to Rocky. Like it's, it's night and day different. That dude is extremely jacked. And actually uh, it's a good segue into production notes because Rocky was billed as being this 202 pound, even like lean and mean at 202 in the first fight or 201, but he's a heavyweight fighter, right? Like he's a, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. Well, in preparation for the film, Stallone claims to have gotten his body fat percentage down to his all-time low of 2.6% and weighed 155 pounds. So he weighed 155 pounds of straight muscle in this movie. Yeah. 
He stated that he ate only 10 egg whites and a piece of toast a day, having fruit every third day. His training consisted of a two-mile jog in the morning, followed by two hours of weight training, a nap during the afternoon, followed by 18 rounds of sparring, another weight training session, and finishing the day with a swim. I don't know how you could do all those things (laughs) and not pass out every single day five times. Like, Michael Phelps looks... I mean, Michael Phelps during his peak was also probably 2% body fat, right? Right, right. And he would eat 10,000 calories a day just to keep up with his furnace body, right? Okay, let's ask some real questions here. Let's ask the... (laughs) Let's get into the difficult 2021 conversation about this. How many supplements and what were the supplements? Because you can't live off 10 egg whites and a piece of toast and some fruit. No vegetables? You said you eat any vegetables? Yeah, I mean, this had to involve some type of help from the outside. Well, he was it? definitely on steroids or something. Yeah, so but I, that, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I'm saying he was doing some type of supplements or taking a shot in the ass or something to get to look like that. Um, and that and that training sounds like you would just drop dead. I mean, Tom um, Brady doesn't do that. For the role of Clubber Lang, two real world-class heavyweight boxers were considered Joe Frazier and Ernie Shavers. Both were about the same height as Stallone and had very powerful physiques that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. But according to the casting director, Frazier had a stuttering problem and Shavers had a high-pitched voice, which would have undermined the character's menacing presence. Hey, woman! Hey, woman! (laughs) Let me show you what it's like to that might have worked. That might have been fantastic. After looking far and wide. E- oh, wow. After looking far and wide, even going to prisons in the hope of finding a suitable black antagonist. My God. Uh, the casting director stumbled upon a TV program on NBC called America's Toughest Bouncer, showcasing a sports competition and was mesmerized by the winner's physical prowess as well as his charisma. The, uh, she then called producer Dan Olmeyer to ask about the man with the mohawk. It turned out that not only was Mr. T a perfect fit, but he also proved tremendously determined to give the best possible performance right from the first screen test for what would be his breakout role. So that's how they found really? Mr. T. Really? That's interesting. That's cool. America's toughest bouncer. Interesting. So this was, I'm clicking on the Wikipedia page for this. It was part of an NBC reality TV series that ran for two years in the early 80s, hosted by Bryant Gumbel, with celebrity and athlete co-hosts. Um, the format centers around unusual sports competitions, including guzzling beer, a belly flop contest, and a taxicab demolition derby. Whoa. So they just did a bunch of random stuff. The series is noted for popularizing Mr. T, who won the America's Best Bouncer competition twice on the show, Donating his three thousand dollar prize to charity, and then he was uh, eventually discovered to play Clubber Lang. So interesting. Can we uh, can we talk about um, montages, please, dude? The montages are the best. Well, and by my count, and I might be off by one. There were at least three significant montages, if not four, in this film. And the use of the montage in this franchise is there any franchise and, and montages used to be the big thing so i you know what i mean there there were a lot of films around this time period that certainly had them is there any film franchise that utilized the montage than the rocky franchise that did a better job yeah i mean major league 
did a good job with it, but I think Rocky's is Rocky is the gold standard for montage and, and was, because the montage is the thing you wait for all movie and it sets up the final fight right. in all of these movies. And I, I mean, I I feel like it was was it more of an '80s thing, like the montage was it yes. more of an '80s yes. and oh, yeah. then like somewhat mm-hmm. into the '90s a little bit, but like I, yes. like in the last twenty years, like in the millennium, we don't I, see I, I I I don't really I'm trying to think of like another movie in the last twenty years that does like really good montages, and I really can't think of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Rocky's the gold standard. Yeah, and this started with one too, right? It starts with a montage. Yes. Yep. So yeah. like, like they're they're into the montage immediately. So yeah, I, that's one of the yeah. great things about the Rocky franchise. They always start the movie starting with Rocky two, and then all the way, you know, at least the first five. They start the movie with some kind of montage recapping what happened in the last Rocky movie, yeah. so that you're not just starting cold. Yes, you know? it's very smart. Yeah, it's very smart. Um, the other thing too about the. Uh, I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was a montage or they just had weird music playing, but when he was training for the first fight and it was this merchandise circus, right? Yes. Paulie's trying to sell t-shirts and they've got media all over the place and like it's just open for fans to just be using the exercise equipment and stuff. Mick is pissed. Let's get back to Mick's not happy. Would any credible, especially when you're going into a fight that you know is going to be the toughest one of your career, like... That's probably one of the least believable things. Like, you would never train that way. I know that he was arrogant and kind of full of himself and, and whatnot, yeah. but you would, you would never train that way. You know what, though? Where, where I will give that some credence is at that time, you might have. Like, now you wouldn't. But, again, it's the 80s. You know, it's a, it's a colorful yes. time period. There's a ton of cocaine, I'm sure. <laughs> you might train that. You might have trained that way. It probably made more sense then. Like, now it'd be like, that's stupid. Yeah. Um. On the title fight, one more point in my notes that I would like to broach. So <clears throat> Apollo has trained Rocky meticulously for this fight. He's like shared with him a ton of in-depth things that he did that he knew to do, footwork, and they've trained stick to stick and move, stick and they, move. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And then we get to the title fight, and Balboa has his own strategy which is news to Apollo that he utilizes to win the fight. Mm-hmm. And Apollo, so Apollo it's, it's, it's a combo. It's a combo. Rocky, no, Rocky's quickness and cardio I know. A- allowed him to do but, the damage he needed to, but he didn't tell Apollo, I'm going to no, just like, take, I'm going to take a hundred punches to the head. But I mean, Apollo, Apollo, Apollo in his corner, like the whole time being like, what are you doing? Move, move. And Burt Young's like, you know, Paul, he's like, oh, no, he's winning. But he's getting mad. Yeah, It's just hilarious. It's hilarious to me that, like, they showed all of these training montages and Apollo has, you know, shared with Rocky how Apollo thinks he should fight. (laughs) And then Balboa at the end is like, yeah, but I just did my own thing. Yeah, Rocky has a a history of just completely going against the game plan. Like, (laughs) wasn't it Rocky 2 where he had to protect his eye and so they switched him to be a southpaw fighter? Okay. So he so the big un, the big unveil was going to be, holy crap! Rocky's fighting left-handed in this rematch against Apollo Creed, and you know Rocky appears to be fighting left-handed, right? And um, toward the end of the match, I think Mick told him, "You got to make the switch. You got to make this now. You got to make the switch now, so you can throw him off again." And Rocky's like, "No, no," and he did, and and so they had this whole game plan. Like you're going to start off like southpaw, and then you're going to make the switch, and then you're going to fool him. So he he constantly goes away. And then I think um, in the fight against the Russian, the whole thing also was don't go, don't stand toe to toe with the Russian. Make sure that you're moving around. And of course, like halfway through the match, he's just like, 
throwing haymakers toe to toe with this guy. <laughs> it just Ridiculous. comes out like in all these fights too. He comes out just throw. I mean, there, there's like no first round feeling out. Yeah, he just comes out throwing punches. All right, let's get to the definitive bad guy rankings here, and then the overall movie ranking. So the uh, the three items, the three criteria are how iconic is the bad guy, how ruthless is the bad guy, and how charismatic is the bad guy. So to this point, the top bad guys we have reviewed, the top villains, are uh, Terminator from Terminator, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Michael Myers from Halloween, The Predator from Predator, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man, Cobra Kai from Karate Kid, Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon, and Yvonne Drago from Rocky IV. So mm-hmm. Clubber Lang from Rocky Three, mm-hmm. one of the most iconic bad guys of that generation, yeah. super charismatic, like also one of the most charismatic bad guys of that generation. And like even though you know this wasn't a movie about mass murders like some of the other, you know, like in Die Hard, that's a terrorist who's going to murder people. Yeah. Um, as far as how ruthless he is as a boxer. Clubber Lang's pretty high up there, too. I don't know if he's as ruthless as Drago, who killed somebody. But uh, what do you guys think? Where where do you think Clubber Lang should sort of fall in this discussion? Give me the top. Can, can you give me the top five again? Terminator, Hans Gruber, Michael Myers, Predator, Cyrus the Virus. I think the I, other question, too, is, is he above or below Ivan Drago from Rocky IV? I think he's above. I agree. I, I think he's above Drago. What's, he, what's six through ten, too, by the way, quickly? So 6 through 10, Simon Phoenix is 6. Cobra Kai from Karate Kid is 7. Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon is 8. Ivan Drago is 9. And then uh, Stranix and Commander Krill from Under Siege are just after that. I think Mr. T, for what it's worth, paved the way for the Drago character. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think he's better than Drago. And I would be willing to say that he is a prime candidate for a top five position. I agree with this. I think so, yeah. I, th- I honestly, I think he's. It's above... a great character. Who's... Here's my my right. take. Yep. I don't think you can put him above Terminator no. or Michael Myers from Halloween. Nope. Yep. I don't think you can put him above Hans Gruber from Die Hard, but I think you can put him fourth above Predator. Mm. Yes. Yeah, this is. It's... I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like this is a great. It's this right is there. A great character. It's right there. If it's a if it's a straw, then then I'm gonna give the tie to the runner. I'll give it to him. And plus, to to know from the production notes where Mr. T came from to do this role and to step in and be this good, yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah, like this was not a actor who just took the role. This was a guy. So yeah, he takes over the fourth spot there in definitive bad guy. And his and and his dialogue is substantial because like when when by the time you got to Durago, it was great lines, but it was just lines. Predator doesn't say anything; he just has an evil laugh at the end. Yeah. There's not a single word that comes out of Predator's mouth. <laughs> Just a weird uh, laugh. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's all it is. Uh, uh, and he uh, looks like uh, an uh, and uh, and he looks uh, like and he looks like he 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 was taken straight from the Atari game as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's true. All right. Now we get to the overall entertainment value of this movie, one through ten. The only three perfect tens we have given out to this point are Terminator, Die Hard, and Halloween. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Predator, Beverly Hills Cop, all a nine or above. And then we've got Terminator 2, Fast and the Furious, Expendables, Top Gun, Roadhouse, Hard to Kill, all 8.5 or above. 
and then Rocky Four, Dirty Harry, Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Point Break, all in eight or above. Uh, it seems like seven point, like seven point seven, seven point eight is sort of average or median for us here mm-hmm. in these rankings. The worst ones we've reviewed are Beverly Hills Cop Two, which was just a one across the board for all of us, and caused us to go on a one month hiatus yep. of <laughs> extra movie Terrible. rewind. Demolition Man, Kindergarten Cop, Shoot 'Em Up, all below a three, and then Bloodsport, exactly a three. So we'll start with Judd. What's your one through ten score for this movie? I'm giving this film an eight. Mm. It, it's got flaws, it's predictable, but it's a very solid part of a franchise that was successful. And I will always give Stallone credit for this. In films like this, Stallone knows exactly how much dialogue to give himself. Um, the montages basically take away opportunity for dialogue, which is smart. So I'm going to give this film, despite the flaws that I pointed out, I'm giving it an eight because it was still really entertaining. For me, it's a, it's a seven. It's a seven for me. Um, it, it's it's a good movie. I like it. It's probably one of those films too. Bill's gonna fire you if it's if it's not. Well, there's a <laughs> lot done. of reasons he could. Uh, You're done, Declan. But um, if it's one of those Tactic movies, if it, if it's on TV, I'm stopping and I'm watching this movie 100. percent Uh, but it's it's got flaws, man. It it's it's a seven. It's a seven out of ten for me. Bill's gonna I mean, we just did an hour review on this movie, and I didn't yeah. hear one flaw from any of the three of us. But <laughs> well, you might want to go and like Christian Potter did, review the tape. Easily credible. Well, you guys are going to completely disagree with me on this. This is one of the greatest action movies of all time. Ten, it's exactly. a 10 for me. He's going it's a 10. 10 for me. Yep. And I also all admit, I mean, Rocky is my favorite movie yeah. franchise. I grew up on Rocky. Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 were such easily digestible movies as a kid, too. You just all the montages and it was good versus evil. So I love the formula. It's a 10 for me. I understand why you guys don't give it a 10? I give I'm it an 8. You, I'm not fighting you that. I, I didn't I think, give it a 6. I think six. you guys are a little low. I think you guys are a little low, but I'm not. I, I hear you. And so that puts Rocky 3 right above Rocky 4. Rocky 4 was an 8.2. Rocky which, 3 is an Which you also gave a 10 to. I think yes. you gave a 10 to Rocky well, 4. Rocky 4. Rocky 4 is the greatest movie of the 1980s and maybe the greatest movie <laughs> of my lifetime. Okay. When you account for the effect it had on the world, okay? Rocky 4 brought Russia and the United States to common ground and put an end to the Cold War. They okay. literally took the script for Rocky Three, duplicated it, and changed things like location. Yes. It's the <laughs> changed same loca- Location, Los Angeles. That's Can't same. go back there. Right. Russia. He trained in short shorts and uh, no shirt on the beach in L.A. Let's put him in Russia and give, give yeah, him a big well, woolly jacket. And he can <laughs> run around in snow because all of Russia is like Siberia. I will say that like, if you gave me only two movies to watch for the rest of my life on loop, Rounders and Rocky Four would be those two movies. Oh my god! So Rocky Three would be in the conversation, but Rocky Four would be <laughs> slightly above it. So there it is, <laughs> Rocky Three fun. for next week, boys. Um, and we can deviate from this, but the three movies we had on a list were Snakes on a Plane, Face Off, and Over the Top. I can even float a few more here from listener suggestions. Yeah. Are, mm-hmm. are, are we going back to rom-com at some point? I wouldn't so, hate it. Sure. I wouldn't I hate it. I feel like we should go to a rom-com. Like, oh. like cause this, Wow, look at you right now. This was sort of a sports film. Executive or not sort of. I like yeah, it. Really All right. This was a sports film, right? Sports film. And we, we've done AMR, sports films, and rom-coms. And I felt we, like we, we got on a good roll on rom-coms. And I wouldn't mind. I, I sort of like to work in a rom-com. 
Do we have to re-review this through the prism of Sports Movie Rewind, too? Like, do we need to do sort of a dual? Because we've got Sports Movie Rewind. I feel like this sort of just takes care of both, don't you? Well, there's a, you know, we'd have to slot. Well, let's maybe at the back end of next week's now Rom-Com Rewind, we can slot Rocky Three in among the other sports movies and just. I like to delve movie. into Judd's sensitive side. I feel like a lot of yeah, people I feel hear like this I, too. I'm an ogre. I'm an ogre with a bad, bad facial hair okay. that I don't take care of. So I, I'll tell you, I got a list here of the rom-coms that we put on I enjoy good our initial list. I'm going to tell you the one that I think would be amazing to review okay. is The American President. The other ones on the list mm-hmm. are She's Out of My League, 51st Dates, Coyote Ugly, She's All That. Coyote Ugly. While you were sleeping, you've got mail is another one that would be great. Yeah, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan. Yeah, uh, and Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, that's a that's a great film. In fact, that might be. Um, it's almost too that might good be too to good. review. That might exactly. be too good. That's what that's what I was going to say. That's so that's like you, a great. You've film. got mail should be a finalist. I'm going to put American President as a finalist. I know okay. you guys are like, eh, but once you watch it, you'll you'll no. it's Michael J. Fox, it's Michael Douglas, yeah. Annette Benning. Um and then uh while you were sleeping. Sandra Bullock, right? Mm-hmm. I saw that I saw that in the theater when that came out. I think all three of these would be amazing for us to that So into. go backwards. While you were sleeping. While you were sleeping, you've got mail and the American president. We could go on a little run here, rom-com rewinds. We could do a little, little mm-hmm. one-month run or something. Summer's heating up. Relationships in these movies heating up. <laughs> Absolutely. Some people on the show. Um, <laughs> and not Phil and I because we're married. Um, let's see here. Let's say there's going to be an interesting twist if it wasn't me. I was about to. Yeah, there's going to be an interesting uh, little twist there. Should we? Should we complete the Tom Hanks, Meg do it. Ryan dynamic with? You've got mail. Yeah, like we did. I think like people th- th- in Seattle. There might be another one. Isn't? Was oh, was there a third Joe one? versus the volcano? Or yes, something? that's I a terrible movie. In multiple movies. Oh, I please yeah. don't let's do that movie. Okay, let's do. You've got mail. Okay, you've got it. mail. All right. This, got, there's so much. You so got much mail. <laughs> also, just the whole AOL Instant Messenger. Oh yeah, AIM dude. The late '90s here. Yeah, I think I, I'm guessing Judd was out on the AIM. AIM craze, but we gotta oh, then we gotta bring our AIM usernames to the table oh, next no. week. Oh yes. yeah, no, I I, was I know out Judd's on probably yeah. out on that, but I've, Phil, Phil I've and I definitely five of them. Have them. Yes, I yes. got about five of them, and I'll yes. let you know that uh, Longball Twenty One Mac is going to be oh, making a big time appearance. God. Oh god, awesome! Yeah, let's let's Longball Twenty One Mac. <laughs> so many different meanings. So many different meanings. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's, I love that. All right. We'll see you next week Don't for Romcom Rewind. Thanks for hanging with us on Mackie and Judd. In Australia, it's too bad we got to get over it. <laughs> uh, just keep punching it, Paul. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. Come on, Come on, come on. Boy, you really look good for an older guy. <laughs> Oh, you're looking good, Stein. I taught you well. I think you taught me too good. Look at him fly. Look out now. No, no, you don't want any of this. Come on, come on. Maybe I'll in here with the wrong guy. Come on, watch yourself. Ready? Think you can only get groceries delivered through Instacart? 
Actually, you can shop over 900 stores, including Best Buy, Kroger, Sephora, Safeway, Bed Bath & Beyond, Dick's Sporting Goods, and more with fast delivery today. And with Klarna, you'll have more time to pay. So if you need a beret, a fillet, or stuff to play croquet while listening to reggae down by the bay with a divorcee and a toupee, Instacart and Klarna is a better way to shop. Man, I lost it. Download the Instacart app and start shopping. Terms apply. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. 